To see examples of what we talk about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast with no direction. What's up, everybody? You know that song. You know this voice. That's right. It's your boy, Rook. Joining me, as always, is the man that Billy Idol wanted to spend the midnight hour with. It's Don Moore. Hello, everybody. (laughs) And joining us today is the creator of two anthologies, working on his third, Purple Eyes. Everybody say hello to Philip Myra. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going, man? How's how's the Kickstarter? Things are going pretty good. We're uh, we just close up week two. We're going into week three of the Kickstarter. It's active until June fifteenth, and yeah, just a lot of a lot of support. You know, getting a lot of support from the indie scene. A lot of a lot of people, just friends and family, just interested in this unique anthology. I'm just super excited to chat about it. Yeah, it's. I mean. What a concept, 73 minutes, and, you know, it, so the preview piece you sent us, it, man, kind of gut-wrenching. Yeah, <laughs> a yeah. little kid that his eye, so what are we looking at here? Is this a, is it a virus? Is it, is it, is this something man-made? Is it, what is Purple Eyes? Sure, and so for the listeners to catch up, uh, this new anthology, as say, is called Purple Eyes, and the premise is that 73 minutes before you die, your eyes turn a vibrant purple, and there's no medical alleviation, no choices you can make. It's 100 percent accurate. Um, you know, some some view it as uh, a confirmation for like the fate, like everything is predetermined because of the precision of the 73 minutes. Other people think it's almost like a collective unconscious of us sending signals to each other, and this is just a physical manifestation of us sending signals to each other. Um, and yeah, there's I won't I won't give away like the the secret of the sauce, but um, <laughs> it's it's loose enough of interpretation of whatever your spiritual beliefs are whatever your intellectual beliefs are or intellectual like inclinations are um like what is like it's almost it is almost like a MacGuffin. it's just like a a way to frame stories or like a story prompt um but we do explore the various different um like what how would someone actually live like i like when i started this anthology i you know, I put the the word out there, and there was 185 pitches that that I received, and that's a lot. And I didn't have any other limitation other than, um, you know, have your creative team fully intact because I wasn't going to play matchmaker because that's a lot of work. Uh, but then just just have that 73 minute limitation, and it's it's 100 definitive. So uh, so I kept getting like just wild and crazy ideas. Um, in these pitches and you know the best 18 is going to be in this book and there's a variety of like there's some comedy ones that are 
you know, kind of gallows humor, but they are straight up comedy ones. And the reason why they got in is because I was literally laughing out loud when reading them. Uh, there's, there's three revenge stories. Like I said, one of them's a comedy, one of them's like a petty revenge, and the other one's like a hardcore, like, action movie revenge. There's a medical drama. There's, you know, just, there's a couple quiet moments of someone, you know, dying by themselves. And, you know, each of those have, have a different type of reaction. And it's just like this, you know, it is, like I said, it is kind of a MacGuffin. You just, you know, you can frame your story any way you can, can, but, um, yeah, just what, what the creators have thought and like what the creators were so excited to make. It just, it's just crazy. I mean, you kind of work in the beginning, you mentioned like the, the piece that was sent over and this purple eyes is an expansion upon a story that Sean Dicker, Justin Birch and I created, uh, little around this time last year. And we wrote that, that initial story and it has a distinct beginning, middle and end, um, of a young, young child losing his life and dealing with the purple eyes, uh, and having his older sister help him through that experience. But, uh, yeah, so that was the definitive end, but like the world just kept lingering. Like it was, it was the last story that I wrote for my previous anthology and like, I was like, there's something here. There's something tangible that is too, is explorable. Like it, as much as this story, you know, is wrapped up in a nice bow. Like I, as like, I think there's, there's something more to mine here. And that's when I started having that open submission process to see, you know, what other people's ideas and, and neurons firing, like what, what type of crazy, like heart wrenching, emotional and like, humorous stories would be coming in versus me just asking my friends like I want to have an open submission just to get the largest variety yeah I mean and you got it I mean you said what over a hundred submissions and you you've got 18 stories 33 creators so I mean artists writers I mean and some fantastic artists and writers on this project so what was what was the did, was there anybody that that submitted that you were like, yes, uh, I'm not even reading it. I know their work. I wa- I wanted them. Actually, no. It was it was as pure meritocracy as possible. I I had friends that I had to say no to, which was which sucked. And there's only two of my friends that got into this. Uh, well, I should say there's more than two of my friends. Two, four of my friends got into it. Uh, two of them are letterers, so they you know. Not too many skilled letter. There are skilled letters, but they're you know they do a lot of work. But uh, yeah, it was. It, I didn't say yes just because they're my friends. Right, uh, right on. And, uh, say, and they, they nicely were like, "We understand." But like the emails were just, "I'm so sorry. Right. <laughs> this this feels terrible." Um, but yeah, uh, I have a question on that. I. When I read the piece, it, it threw me, which I guess is what you wanted to do. But yeah. then after <clears throat> after I read it and I started reading what Rook was talking about, your submission guidelines, I've never really ever read one before. And um, I found that interesting, uh, how you were talking about... He's explained about he wanted teams, he wanted it fully formed, and uh, he had an idea, you could go anything you want. But you're also talking about how you would divvy up 
the payment. It was up to the, the creative teams to divvy up the payment. Yeah. And you were talking about the, the printing rights. You know, what you would get, and it would go to them, they could do what they want. Um, I found that extremely interesting. Uh, but my question here is, you have an idea for this, and you said it was only um, an amount of time after you get the purple eyes. But that's the only guideline, so any creative team can come up with something else and you could learn something else about something you created? Yeah. I mean, I kind of wanted people to throw ideas out. Like, I, I wanted to have more of a kind of communal, I don't know, like building project. Because um, one of the things that I haven't mentioned is one of the key parts of this uh, anthology is we're trying to link as many of these stories together, both you know narratively and visually. Um, and the examples I always say is like the the main character, the second story, is the sibling of like the eighth story, and there you know there might be a building in story four, and that building you know has like a very unique shape that you know design wise you know you can tell distinctly depending on the art styles. And, you know, story 14 has that same building. And you're like, oh, that's, these stories are happening at the same exact time, just on the other side of town. Um, and I also put in a caveat, like, if you're a creator, it's not a nece- it's not mandatory for you to participate in that, that larger interlinking type of world building. If you would just want to tell a cool story, that's fine. But that, that was out there for people. Um, I forgot, sorry, what was the original question, Don? <laughs> I thought I touched upon it, but then I think I diverted. No, you, no it actually answered pretty well. Uh, my other, adding on to that, was any of it surprising when you got some of these stories, like they went in the direction and you thought, I wish I would have thought of that, or I would never would have thought of that? Yeah, uh, I mean, specifically, like we have a medical drama one, and I received... A lot of medical-esque um, pitches that involved um, like researchers trying to cure, like cure it, like take a medical, you know, uh, stance on it as if it was a disease, and um, and yeah, they were all just very similar in the sense that either they cured it or they cured it and then they you know, died before their notes can be released or they, they write it down or, you know, they, they weren't able to, to figure it out or they got like one step closer. And I was like, that's, that's interesting. But like, I'm like, like, that's not much of a story. Like I, I, stories are, to me, stories are characters making decisions and you seeing those decisions, whether they fuck up, I'm not sure if I can swear, but, or, or if they, 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 you know, they fuck up or they do something selfishly and you, you know, you see all that stuff. That's, that's what interests me. Um, and so the medical drama that we, that, that came in, that's in this anthology, it's someone that isn't like a frontline person that works at, uh, at a hospital. And so, uh, the main character, they, um, like, in the world, like the, the way that uh, Raymond wrote it, um, or yeah, that, that she pitched it to me was that uh, like it's an un, unwritten rule, like an unsaid rule to like don't treat people with purple eyes because 
there's is this going to open up medical lawsuits? You're going to get aggrieved family members that are going to use that to try to sue the hospital and individually sue you for medical malpractice. And so she added that element, but then she also added the element of like, all right, so what happens if the character goes and tries to help someone with purple eyes? Is that just like, you know, F that, like we're here to help and assist. And it's just a very simple, even this person has purple eyes, they have a very simple ailment that can be at least alleviated. Um, and then you see kind of what happens and we're playing around to see how ambiguous or how straightforward we are. Um, but you know, in my, you know, I'm not, we're still forming the, the thing, but like the original idea was that the person helps out this, this person with purple eyes, but in doing so, um, I can't remember what the gender is. He or she ends up overdosing and like basically, you know, like a self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing. Um, so like that was an interesting take. And there's, there's a few sport ones. Like I always love, you know, sports and comics cause it is rare. And there was a, there was, I think four stories about a boxer and they were all roughly the same kind of punchline of, uh, to, not to be, you know, not to throw that pun in there, but yeah, they were kind of like the same punchline of, person goes into the ring and you know kind of dies in the ring and the one that got in um was a uniquer take where the opponent the main character the opponent has purple eyes and so and he has purple eyes before the match and so as the two of them are boxing the main character you know in the, in the like the main character is fighting this person and wins and eventually that guy, you know, dies shortly after their boxing match. And so the main character is like going through this horrible mental gymnastics of like, did I kill this person? It's like, but like he knew before going into the ring that he was going to die. And like he willingly did this and didn't stop. And like no one, like the ref didn't stop this. Like the promoters didn't stop this fight. Like, the crowd, like, it's all, like, this... Men- and, like, the guy's, like, having this horrible guilt-ridden thing because he's, like, I know, like, I wasn't holding my punches. Like, I was... I'm a professional. Like, I, I fought with my heart and I won. But this was the end result. And, like... And it's just, like... That was a super unique yeah. take. Like, it's, it's, like, things of that nature that I'm really... Ex- like, me and all the creators are really excited to share with people. I know I'm, I'm giving away some of the some of the the good stuff but i mean that i'm just i'm bragging because that is so unique um and yeah yeah it absolutely fantastic. yeah so so really what we're what we're going to be reading with this is very character driven human stories of how they're dealing with it or perhaps maybe some people not dealing with it because they want to try and deny it you know. yeah uh, and, and I absolutely love stories like that. You Me know, it, in an industry flooded with capes and spandex, you know, the indie comic creators like you guys are doing so much more with the medium to drive in, you know, just beautiful character stories. And I and I absolutely love that. You know, that's fantastic. So uh, when you 
how did how did you get everybody together with this uh, when you sent out when you sent it out? Were you using uh, Facebook groups? Were you, uh, how, how did you get the word out that you were working on something like this? Yeah, uh, I I'm mostly on Twitter and Instagram, mostly Twitter because it's just easier to share links. And I've uh, through the pandemic, I've been found a really good uh, like common community that we've all kind of you know found each other due to the not you know not going to convention so there's i know there's other communities and other you know social media platforms but everyone had the similar experience of we lost that face-to-face connection um so we you know the the virtual connections kind of enhanced and you know zoom meetings and stuff um but yeah so i asked my friends i asked uh yeah i just like went to various different like i went to the cartoonist cafe Facebook group. I was going to a couple different places, just trying to get the word. Like Reddit, I just kept trying to get the word out because I wanted that largest variety as possible. Um, and yeah, it ended up, you know, it ended up working like crazy. Like I had the, the pitch submissions for um, six six weeks, which I thought was a, you know like a healthy time span. Um, and yeah, at least for me, this was my first. Like this is my fourth anthology, but this is my first time doing a large-scale anthology like this and for me i found it helpful to have two different avenues so like i created uh like a personal gmail account so i can so i can have just everything funneled to one um to one email i can always just check on that so it's away from all my other comics uh emails but from there i was able to create a google form which had all the pertinent information I was requesting. Like I said, it was limited. It was like estimated page count, so I can figure out budget-wise and what's the pitch name and who are the creators. It was super limited. But I also, because I had that email address, I was able to just say, if, if you don't want to do this pitch submission, if you want, or if you want to submit with, you know, like maybe character sketches, uh, you know, just email. Just email the same information that you would to this email and that way I can, you know, cause it's Google, I can just do a label and just have a label on there so I can quickly see anything that's just general questions versus ones that are actual pitches. So that organization was really helpful, especially with the Google form. I was able to, there's a quick way to just uh, change all, or accumulate all the responses and, and put into a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet will automatically update as new responses come in, so I don't have to keep generating it. And so that was really helpful. Um, and from there, I was able to, as I was going along, um, just color code everything. So like in the spreadsheet, all the red, you know, reds were no's, yellows were maybes, and greens were yeses. And so that helped me get all organized. So by the time uh, the six weeks were up, everything was pretty pretty locked in but i also gave myself a two-week buffer zone to sit down and go through every single submission yet again and and you know relook at other people relook at all the creators portfolios as well and you know then i basically I, I looked at everything at least twice and then i was able to send uh took me a while but i sent basically personalized emails to every single uh, creative team um, of all those 185 pitches, I sent personalized ones uh, to all the creative teams because you know they took the time 
you know, they took the time to think about their story, and you know, I, at least I can do is spend spend the extra two or three minutes to you know write something nice. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so if anyone's looking to do a large scale anthology, that was a method that I found extremely helpful as an organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you're extremely organized with doing this. Uh, now, th- this is this is your fourth anthology, um, your third Kickstarter, from what I see. Twice yep. you've gotten projects we've loved, we love off Kickstarter. So that that's pretty pretty good. That, that's awesome. So, um, how, how far along do you have to be to get that to, to get that from Kickstarter? I do not know. I've received the first, the two times I've received it, I've gotten them within 24 hours. Um, I don't know. I don't know how their algorithm is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got to love the algorithms, right? <laughs> yeah. So, now, how... How different and how crazy is this compared to your your last works? Is is this are you spending a lot more time dealing with this than than anything before? Yeah, very much so. So the previous three anthologies were in, were ones where I wrote all the stories, and I was lucky enough to collaborate with artists from all over the world to bring those stories to life. And the rough, like each of those anthologies, are roughly takes about 12 months 12 to 18 months and there is for those there really isn't a theme it was just whatever i was creating during that one year to one year and a half time period and i would just you know bundle up bundle it up into a book and those because of the like i said the year to year and a half mark or so and they're not being that kind not really being focused um they're just whatever i was creating uh, I mean, the time frame for everything was spread out more. Like I was working on, I was I'd, I'd have overlap on stories, but I wasn't like constantly communicating with everyone. So this one, this one was, it really hasn't been that logistical of a of a task of a feat. You know, every I just we all communicate via email because um, everyone has email. Like I didn't feel like making a Discord would be efficient because. Not everyone's on Discord, but everyone has an email, and and yeah, we we try to do at least one Zoom meeting a week, um, sometimes every other week, just to sit down and, and have that, um, you know, that brainstorming ar- arena, so we can come up with the, the ways to link things and just to kind of just hang out because there are people uh, from all over the world. Uh, if you look on the Kickstarter page. When you're in the meet the creator section, I, I tried putting the emoji flag for whatever their home country is, and then there might be a couple flags if they're from one place and they moved to another and they currently live in another place. Um, yeah, it just you know it's 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 just super exciting. And like we just keep hanging out and just come up with cooler ideas. Like nice. I don't know how to submit it. Nice. Um, so, Oh, go ahead, Does right. that mean that that, that uh, this could keep going? We could see more purple eyes. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, you're kind of pretty astute there, Rook. Uh, on the Kickstarter page, it does say Volume One. So the idea is that you know, once once everything is complete, page is complete, books are in people's hands, and the estimate, you know, I've the estimate is to get everyone their books by the end of the year. Um, you know, I've 
put a good enough buffer between the various steps and when the final pages are done and another buffer between when we're getting the books from the, the printer, which is, you know, the printer we're going through is Comics Wellspring. I'm in Chicago. They're in Michigan. So their, their stuff comes really quick. Um, they're five hours from where I'm at, so it's not that advantageous to drive, but I'm the next large, whatever, large mailing distribution center. So like I get my stuff super quick. And, uh, yeah, so the idea is that 2023, early 2023, that's when volume two, we're going to be start going to pre-production and then, um, and then, yeah, just do open pitch submissions. And like, not to sound arrogant, but there, there really isn't anything that I would do different this next time around. Like I, I learned that maybe I should be keep more ahead of the yes, no, maybe categories. But as far as getting the word out and just being, just being very communicative, I think that's just the type of rhythm that I'm used to. And I, I, to, my, to my knowledge, I feel like it's worked out perfectly fine. Nice. When I read the the purple eyes that Rook and I read is nine pages. He sent, and. I'm a visual person, and the first thing I thought was, I like this style. It's it's unique. And the first, the first page, it kind of threw me. And then when I read it after that, it sucked me in right away. It's only nine pages, but Thank you. once um, I had to go back to the first page right through the middle thing. Wait a minute, and you know I read it and I got through it extremely touching story I, I, I we really try really hard not to give away too much on on what we read but the idea I even though I went back at the beginning it was a completely alien idea that I started to understand right away and I like how the characters acted even though it's a dire thing they made the most of it and I guess it's something that always surprises me with people. Um, when you watch television shows, movies, um, and read comic books, everybody kind of has a standard way of acting in it. It's not always like they do in real life. Um, real life, to me, it seems like no matter what the world is like, when you really need somebody, it falls into place. Anyway, when that story was finished, I, I I went back and read it again. It really pulls at your soul. Um, I, I can't stress. Well, we'll have it linked to the the blog. Our blog we show everything we talk about. I, I can't yeah. recommend this enough to people to read. Um, what surprised me was I started looking you up online and I found your page. And you have a, a portfolio of different comics. And I, I hate to be this way because I've never done this on any show. But I'm talking to you right now with a, a great deal of hostility. Because <laughs> you got me a couple of times. Um, what he did I think is kind of genius. He's given you two pages, three pages. And it says continues in Crackle Volume 2. And that's, I thought, well that's smart. It may, I wanted to read more. But you had, I think, two one-page stories, and I wanted more. 
and I was really upset. Um, and they were clever. <laughs> and when I read that, I thought that's how he gets you to buy them, man. I know, but I mean, the thing was, it wasn't like buy buy Crackle Volume Two to read more. It was just they said one page complete, you know. Um, yeah. The kid defines the rock. <laughs> yeah. And I love your strip border, borders border. Um, my question is, everyone was drawn by a different different artist, and the styles are vastly different for each one, and they're all good. Uh, you've you've worked with fantastic visual artists. Yeah. And they all have a different approach. Has your writing, did you write differently for each piece, or did you write the same way, and it's just how they do the work made it so distinctly different? It's, it's the latter. So my, at least for me, my creative process is that I finish a script, even in my very first script that I did, just just trying out this journey of being getting into comics. Like I write a completed script with a decent amount of details um, of what's going on either in the page, um, you know, like I, it's, it's detailed. But sometimes I write notes, like I'd be like, on this page, I see it as a nine panel, you know, nine panel grid because of I want a steady rhythm because when they have that page turn, there's going to be a lot more, you know, fr freedom or like there's gonna be like unstructured panel layouts. Like I try to give reason. But yeah, I try to have as much detail as I can and, and offer photo references for unique things. Um, but then I start seeking out the artists. And sometimes it's just open submissions, uh, especially in the latest Crackle one. Uh, not with Sean Dicker, but I've known Sean for about a year. But I've, I've just basically posted online, like, I'm, you know, Here's the story. It's seven or nine pages, whatever it is. Here's the script. This is a paid opportunity. Um, here's the loose deadline. So I like to plan ahead. Like you know, we have six months to do this. Let me know if you know. Please drop your portfolio links your, of sequentials, and then you know I'll get back to people. And I've been very fortunate. But to me, and if there's any you know young writers out there, creators, like to me the as much as details I put into that script, I always say to the the, writer, the the artist that I collaborate with, even if it's a cold email, like, this is the script, but this this is just a blueprint. Like, if, if, I, if you visually see, um, if you visually can see that, like, I, if something needs to be removed, a panel needs to be removed or added, or if there's just too much dialogue, then let me know. Like, I'm, I don't... I don't have this hubris about me. Like, like I understand this. Like, I want a true collaborator. Like, we're the whole point is to have like what you had experienced on. Like, the the readers super excited and the story sticks with them. Yeah, and it's it's always been the best experience because there's the you know, there's a lot of visual stuff that the artists put in that I kind of put in as dialogue, but the artists have put in visually and so I just cut that dialogue because that's one less balloon that pops up and you can visually see more of the comics and I guess the most the most extreme um, one that happened was I've this was the third story that Hannah Vensel and I did it's in Crackle Volume 3 uh, I, 
I think it's one of the first couple stories in the in Crackle Volume Three, and I gave her a nine-page script, and she's like, uh, she's like, I've been thumbnailing, and uh, it's going to be seventeen pages. <laughs> it's just like, I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like I'm, I mean I have no problem paying paying her a page rate because I know you know you know the page rate basically doubled the, the money for the project basically doubled, but as like I trust her as a storyteller like for she is in Germany and so she grew up in you know the the media that she consumed the, the comics she consumed the animation the stories that she consumed as a young person and like even in her adult life. They have a different rhythm, and they like their inspirations are the inspirations that built the stuff that inspired her were different from mine. Um, so, like her, like her storytelling is a little bit, I guess, slower or quieter. I don't know how to put it, but like she, the, there's like reaction panels, yeah. and she split dialogue between panels so you can clearly see people's faces and how you know how everything's reacting, and it, it worked out so well. That like it it's weird that the first like I think the first like three pages are 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 structured as is in the script, but the rest is so much breathing room and it's it's it works out so well. So I mean one of the things that I keyly brought into this this anthology is trust your collaborators. Like I'm collaborating I myself am collaborating with everyone and in turn everyone's collaborating with each other right. and it's just if you bring a positive environment and let people be creators, like and let let them create, I'm for me, I'm not, I'm like I may be the quote unquote editor of this, but I'm not requiring people to send me their scripts or let me see their final thumbnails and stuff. Like I trust these, like even there's a, quite a bit of young creators that this is either their first major work or their first major work in in print because they're mostly. Uh, in the digital realm, but like yeah, it's just you. That's I, I don't know how to put it. Like just like trust people. Like trust your creative team. Like it's also like this is indie comics. We're not like it's not like we're making a multi million dollar movie. Like we're, we're supposed <laughs> to have fun. But to kind of like go back to what you were mentioning, Don, about that's part of the that's part of the good thing about being a like that's one of the key things that I learned as a storyteller is like you want your your readers to know more and it's the it's the writing I forget what it's called it's like the, one of the un, like a writing rule is like you you want your audience to feel like they're arriving late to party and they're leaving early so you, you want yes. the, you want to feel like there's always something in motion and even on page one, your characters are doing something, um, and so something's going on, and you want to leave the scene thinking that you know there's there's like half a conversation still left to say, um, and yeah, I mean, this is all these little things that I like I, I try to focus on, and kind of what you were saying, like you went back to the beginning, and and the rules are understood. Like one of my key things, even if it is. A short story, like even if it was like a one-page or two-page short story, is I want to put all key visual things. Like I like, it sounds like almost like a like a college exam, but like like you have like your thesis statement, and you're supposed to like branch off from that thesis statement. But page one, like I always try to have like have the characters say each other's names, so the 
the audience gets that that link of visual and, and words, so they they know each other's names. And if there's any key key unique things, like with within the the, the original Purple Eye story, like I wanted to explain because, um, like I said, this was the or like this was the original. This was not made. That was not made for this anthology. So I had to explain the rules of like the Purple Eyes, and then. Um, you know, I didn't explain it fully because that's what page two is. You want to give the, the reader a kind of hint and, and yeah. you're like, oh, so what's that? And then they get to the next page and they get a better feeling. That way it's not just a bunch of info dumps. Um, and yeah, it just like, like all these little, little, I guess, tricks or techniques. Um, they just make this, they make your storytelling better. Um, yeah. 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 You, you want them to keep reading and, you know the the sample that we got was was great for that yes. and i mean uh gut wrenching yes. uh, in, in yes. a way um you know but it's just conceptually i'm i'm looking through this and i'm like there's there's got to be so much more to this and of course you know there obviously is because you have so many more stories. You have eighteen. You know, I read one out of eighteen stories, right. so the seventeen yeah. more stories to definitely look at and find out more information and see what else is happening with this world. And yeah, you've you've got me hooked on it. I I want to talk about um, just real quick the available pledges. The the one that I that I found interesting is getting drawn into a story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you've already got what you've got one backer on that one already. So there's only one slot left for this for anybody who's, who's who wants to get drawn into this. Um, what a cool idea to be drawn into the back. You're going to be a background character, I assume. Well, it depends. See, you got to kind of look like there. There was multiple. There, well, there were multiple um, opportunities to do that for different stories, but those got gobbled up pretty quick. I think. Yeah might have been close to there's either like eight or nine slots um between the various different artists and their stories and not only one slot out of of all that is available uh so yeah it it depends like there's a couple crowd scenes so you might get one or two different or you'll you'll probably get more than one um you know angle type of thing um so it depends like one of them one of them is like a more grounded one um, but that only involves two people, so you're gonna I get, you're gonna be one of the other people. Um, so, uh, but that one's already taken. But yeah, it's we, we you know that's always a nice little like you know we have so many stories. There there are going to be crowd scenes. I was like, yeah, might as well. <laughs> and for me, I, I tried keeping it at a very low price. Like it is a hundred dollars, which is a lot of money. But it's also the book is twenty five dollars, so I figured seventy five dollars is, you know, not terrible because I've seen it. I've seen it like at least twice as much. Like some people charge like close to two hundred bucks, especially in anthologies, when they know that you know something's gonna be popular and read. Um, I was like, yeah, seventy five bucks seems good. If the, if the person doesn't like how they look, then you're like, well, I guess I didn't charge them that much money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what I was going to say. For a hundred bucks, you're getting drawn. That that is not a lot of money to be drawn neat. into a book. That's that is, neat that's, too. You know. <laughs> the book. <laughs> uh, the uh, the forty five dollar pledge. You're getting all three volumes of your previous work: Crackle Volume One, Two, and Three, and 
purple eyes, and you're getting them digital physical as well. Uh, yeah. That that's dope. Uh, that that's awesome as hell. And we've you've also got the uh, the pledge for supporting the local comic book shop with five copies of the book. Uh, that's that's great. Seventy five bucks for five copies of the book. Uh, for anybody who's running a comic book shop that's listening to this, you, you that seventy five bucks for a book for five copies of a book that sells for you said twenty five. Uh yeah, twenty five twenty five base price. Yeah, guys. I mean, hey, comic book shop owners, what are you doing? Grab it, get it now. <laughs> um yeah. I've been, I'm, like I said, I've been very fortunate. Like I have, toward the bottom of the Kickstarter page, I have a list of all the shops across the country that currently have the Crackle books and have supported me for a number of years, and I've restocked a number of times. But I'm always trying, like I'm always trying to help the comic shops because I know, you know, the like this the quote unquote comic book industry is kind of a little wonky where, yeah. like you know, we indie people can sell directly to our fans. But really, like, you know, we want our books in comic shops. But the customers of the comic shop aren't, like, aren't our, like, they're not the end goal. The end goal is we sell our stuff to comic shops, and then we try to give enough enticing and make them interesting um, so they, they in turn, can sell to their customers. It's like this weird, weird, like, dance. But to, to give better incentives... And you know, to make make our books more marketable, I'm always come trying to figure out ways to help out. And the one that I was here the most is like print bookmarks. So like I have bookmarks of for my Crackle books. I, I'm going to print out bookmarks for this book, um, and I just send a large stack of them whenever I send my stuff out to comic shops because they're like, yeah, I can always give out a bookmark. I can always just leave out a stack of bookmarks, yeah. and that person comes back two weeks later. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, what's up with this? Yeah, this thing that I've been using all week or like last couple <laughs> weeks. You know, what's up with this story? And then they can sell the book better. So, and it's it's just all about you know helping out comic shops because they're going to help you out and they're going to then they're going to build up your customer base or your yeah. fan base, I should say. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, wow. One thing on this these books, um, mm-hmm. I can't. I said this before. I can't stress this. All the artists are unique and they're strong. But, yeah. Um, and the stories, I guess the artist gave a different feel to it, but every one of those stories got me. Um, it didn't matter how many pages you showed, I wanted to read more. Um, it seemed. Well, I mean, I only read sections of them, but it seemed like you approached them from different ways. Um, but anyway, before I even go on, I want you an apology for that one page called Branches by you and what's her name, Isabel Arn? Yeah, Isabella Arne. She's she's in France. All right, I want both of you to apologize to me now because that is the most incredible page. How it's drawn, how it's laid out. And I laughed twice in it. Uh, the ending made me laugh. And then I thought, God, that's it? Wait a minute. I read it again. I I was really, I was really upset at you. <laughs> uh, and I'm upset at her, even though I, I love it. Um, that should be a poster. But one page, dude. Come on, come on. I <laughs> you left me hanging. <laughs> I know. I just that that one is one of my favorites. It was based off of. 
pros. So for me, uh, well, I should go back. So people listening, they might be familiar with a thing called NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. And that's usually for, you know, prose writers. And that's really hard because you're supposed to write a, a novel in a month. Uh, so I did a modified version. I've done I've done a couple of years now where it's for the month of November. So during November, I do one-page stories. So I, I have – I found this website that gives me random generated images. And so, you know, I take the, the – you know, the – the adage of you know a picture's worth a thousand wor- words so i take this random image and i have to somehow incorporate it, it as a panel um in the story and so and so yeah so that's where i kind of built uh that's kind of one of the word like the the ideas came from um there were a few of the one pages came from that idea and some of the stories were expansions upon one pages that i did when i whatever i do for uh, Nano Remo, but yeah, just I, yeah, I finished that one, and I forget how I found Isabella's art. It could have been something just super arbitrary, like like an Inktober sketch, mm. and she and she still has doesn't have as many followers as she needs to as she deserves. She's gorgeous with watercolors. Her watercolors are immaculate. Um, she's had a couple successful Kickstarters on her own throughout the years. But yeah, like just that emotion, very emotional story. I mean, anyone listening can go to my website, you know, philipmyra.com and read it because that whole story is there. It's called Branches. And it's just the story of, of a sister remembering the first time she saw her younger sister and all the crazy stuff that happened that day. But what really matters is that first connection between siblings. Um, yeah, like it's just I'm so fortunate with the collaborators that I've that I've made stories with over the years. And they're, they're all drastically are, different. Yeah, each one, but they're all all outstanding. Um, another one, head above water. Is that am I saying it right? Um, yeah, that one. One thing I it caught me was the first panel. It shows the person's kitchen table, and he's got a box of tricks. You know, he's got um, uh, medicine pockets. You know, uh, a lot of people here take a lot of medication, and the story's being narrated. But basically, the visuals are showing you things about this person without telling. You're just seeing it. And um, yeah, I. How was that approached? Did you tell the artist this? Did the artist just come up with this, or? Yeah, so that was, uh, I'll give you, I usually don't explain too much, but one of the things that I'm really proud about that story is, like, if you look, um, I think it's in the, it's in one of the pages on that first page, the panels are structured like the fuse box that's in that, it's in the, it's in that story, so... Like the top left of the fuse box, that's that room. Like all the rooms are labeled, and the very bottom panel um, is a character. And in the fuse box, the very oh, I was just running around. The very bottom of the fuse box is empty because the power has been removed, and that was supposed to symbolize that the main character has no power. 
Mm. He feels, you know, he feels powerless. So like all that stuff's in the script, um, you know, visually. Um, and that's, <clears throat> I was very lucky on that. Uh, I worked with Kishore Mohan on that. He's, uh, he's worked with, you know, Ram V who's going to be writing Batman. He's, he was writing Venom. Like he's, <laughs> I'm very lucky to collaborate some, have amazing collaborators. Um, and then Aditya Bidikar did the letters who, he, he either won an Eisner or he's been nominated for an Eisner at least twice. He's won many Ringos. Like I just get very fortunate to, to collaborate with artists, whether they're either between, you know, in between projects or like right before they start getting their next big, like their big, big breakout gig. Um, yeah, I just get super lucky. Um, That's awesome. The, the yeah, lettering. Awesome. You've yeah. Worked, yeah, you've worked with some great creators, and you know the stuff. The the stuff of yours I've read is amazing. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume you got you got your own stuff in in Purple Eyes here too. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm I'm bookending. So the first story is gonna be mine. The last story is gonna be mine, and the last story is gonna be the the story. That their or you know the original Purple Eye story and the first story, so the story that Sean Dicker, Justin Birch, and I are going to create is going to be not to ruin anything, but like it's a scene that is discussed in in the original Purple Eye story. So that's why we're going to bookend it because they they both you know they both lead into each other. Like the last the last part of the original Purple Eye story discusses um, a scene that occurs on a lake and so we're going to show that scene um, that way to give like a fuller you know experience um, for the reader and just just as a heads up and I've, I've I'm not sure if I've mentioned this but that original Purple Eye story had a very limited color palette like Sin City-esque yeah. um, you know black and white which just splashes a color <laughs> here and there um, this the whole anthology will be full color. It's just that in that original story and the story that you know we're yet to create, um, we choose we choose to use that visual storytelling like limited color just for emotional purposes, and that was just the way that we did. But yeah, there's there's going to be full color throughout the. I don't, I don't think anyone's said they're going to do just black and white. But yeah. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be visually uh, striking. Well, you yeah. you play with the comic form. Um, that's one thing. You're everything I read. You're very aware. Like you just described that one page. You know, it's like the circuit box, which I didn't pick up on whatsoever. Thanks for telling me and everybody else, even though you don't like to. But I guess subconsciously I was aware of it. But like um, borders. You're, yeah. I thought that was genius. Um, I love stuff like that. Um, basically, one person's out of the borders, the other per- people are in. But it goes along with what the narration is telling you. And again, with uh, Purple Eyes, the opening story is black and white with splashes of purple. And um, when I read that, I just knew that was a storytelling device. That wasn't um, 
in the 70s that was because they didn't have money for color but you know in your case it was a decision um, and talking about visuals when you mentioned the lettering a few times all the lettering is extremely strong usually lettering is something you don't notice unless it's really bad and um but the lettering it was always in the right places it was easy to read um, and there's in some of the different volumes of Crackle some of the lettering um, well the woman the French woman I'm waiting to apologize to me her lettering is nice but it was different than everybody else's <laughs> yeah I think hers more handwritten style it was it was it went absolutely with what she had done but it was it, it's not like they had the same look you know when they started making computer comic book fonts which I think are awesome a lot of people that were making comics started using them and that's a plus compared to how some people were doing lettering but the problem is some of them the craftsmanship and knowledge letters have just went out the window I mean you see it and it's in the wrong place it's it's hard to read it makes there's no typography to what they're doing um, yeah. there's not that case in this one uh, all all the lettering along with everything else this is a really slick package um, and what he's offering on the Kickstarter for all the stuff is is certainly worth getting Absolutely. yeah thank you so you can find that Kickstarter, of course. It's very easy. You get to Kickstarter, type in Purple Eyes. It's going to bring you right there. Uh, you can find it super easy, everybody. Uh, you got other social medias and everything you want to plug? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm always on Twitter. Uh, fill up with two L's, Myra, M-A-I-R-A. Um, I'm always shouting out my friends. Like, uh, like I've gotten pretty close with bunch of other fellow creators like my my buddy frankie white and his collaborator bailey they're doing a kickstarter right now called the amber door which is really fun um yeah uh what kind of easton has his him and katie are doing a guardian the second volume like it, there's always just something exciting going on and i'm always just hyped up, trying to hype up um yeah i'm on instagram i, I always post things on there and then if you know, for whatever reason, you can't find Purple Eyes either for me shouting at the rooftops about it on social media or not on Kickstarter. Uh, you can use the, the the link or the URL purpleeyescomic.com and it'll shoot you to the Kickstarter page. And if you're listening to this far flung into the future, uh, it'll be modified so it'll shoot to my uh, web store so you can get it that way too. Nice, nice, and yes, I have to tell you, your, your Twitter is like a goldmine of <laughs> indie comic. You know, you, you're you're just you're just hyping everybody else up. <laughs> it, yeah, that's awesome. basically what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, Twitter tw Twitter drives me insane. But looking at your Twitter, I'm like, he's just he's just nonstop at, uh, talking about everybody else's projects. I love it. Yeah, well, it's just friends are art. That's how I've curated my. Like, I don't follow, like, that's, I'm not sure I'm, like, an anomaly, but I don't follow any celebrities or bands um, on any of the social medias. Like, I just follow artists, and right. then I just see cool art, art all day, <laughs> right. and then I'm happy. That's and then my, my wallet's empty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> way to do it, man. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Hmm. 
Anything else? No, I think think that's about it. Right. Um, yeah, I, there's plenty of. I know one of the things Don mentioned was this. He said the the story with uh, the rock, the young boy in the rock. <laughs> and I post I posted that one. If you look at the Kickstarter page, uh, that one's in there because I put a couple teasers of, uh, of of different crackle stories that you can get within the anthologies, and that one's there. So you can read that nice one pager as well. But yeah. You you have to go digging through my web, website to Ted to see branches to see the really good one that Isabel Isabel Arne and I made. It's, it's worth the, the trip. And I want to finish with one thing. When you're talking about promoting other people's work, it's kind of how your anthology work is, where you're doing everything with no ego, and that's hard to do. You're a very Zen person, but you know I'm, I've seen and I talk about this on the show a lot. It was um, in mainstream comics, Jack Kirby, the king of American comics. Uh, what was that man's name that wrote Batman and Green Lantern? Uh, Denny O'Neill. He was asking Jack Kirby one time about a, a certain story, like, you know, what happens after what he did. And Jack Kirby's comment was, that's your story to tell. That's what made his work so strong. He, um, he, he was incredible, but he showed he basically let other people play in his sandbox. And I've seen other creators that I absolutely love that had their own own work that they owned that could do whatever they want. And there was a couple of them where they tried to turn it over to other creators. Um, and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, now Mike Mignola was able to do that with Hellboy. He's still involved in it. But it's rare. It's rare when you have somebody that creates something and then have other people pick it up. I mean, they've done it in mainstream comics, but in independent comics, um, I'm sure there's some other ones, but Hellboy is the only one I could think of, the whole whole BPRD and stuff. Yeah. But in your stuff, that's one thing that fascinated me, and it was, you have a clear idea in your writing. I, I'm not trying to massage your ego, because I'm, I'm really teed off at you, but your your writing is really strong. Let it go, Don. <laughs> it's really strong and unique. Um, and like I said, I I really enjoyed going through your page, and even though I got mad, but seeing some of the different stories. But it seems to me like you have a clear idea of what it is, but then you let other people do their thing with it. And Purple Eyes, that's the whole project. What fascinates me is you've got a book ended. You set it up and you have certain perimeters you want the people to work in, but they can do whatever they want. Um, that's a rare trait to have, you know. And I, I hope that after you finish writing, you're going to go into politics and become president and <laughs> teach other people that same thinking. <laughs> you just got to trust people and trust your collaborators. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with comics, man. I'm glad. I am glad. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, of course, you can find us at bunchofdorks.com. Just click on the Cyclops, um, social medias, all that good stuff. And you find us, Two Dimension Podcast. Done. Hey, if you'd like to draw, we're always looking for fake comic book covers to use to announce the new episodes on the Facebook page and the Facebook group. You may not think you draw well, but we're going to love it anyway. Everybody enjoys seeing these. I'm only going to ask, if you don't put the text at the top, just leave some room for me to put comics on it. And a little bit of space for the show number and to put the Cyclops on it. 
if you're any kind of musician, singer, um, I said mimes one time, which I find insane, but if you have a recording of something, if we don't have a guest, we have a music break. A lot of people enjoy these. We'll play it in the middle of the show, and you'll be on the music spotlight page. Uh, that's all I got. Anything else, Rook? Not much. Other than that, till next time, read, read more comics. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click, click on, on the Cyclops. True Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.